today on our very special Christmas episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast, I am going to give you a little bit of the backstory as to how we got here with one of my favorite people in the world, uh, because it's kind of funny. We had a guest lined up that uh, we went back and forth and we were supposed to meet to interview and it's I'm hoping it'll still happen eventually one day, so I won't say who it is, but uh, someone very connected to Christmas and we went back and forth and then finally we just weren't able to make it work. So then I had asked for- Was it Santa Claus? It was, darn it, Brad, we weren't going to say. Oops, <laughs> it was, sorry. Turned out he was busy this time of year. He asked if we could meet in June. So less busy time. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, but anyway, then, then we asked for listener submissions and we only did it once and there wasn't enough time. And so we really haven't gotten those. And finally I went, you know what? I just want to talk to someone about Christmas. And the first person that came to mind- is a dear friend of mine and a dear friend of the show. He's one of our favorite people. And I know so many of you already read his work all the time on Thus We See. Uh, Brad McBride, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. <laughs> this is fun. And it's especially fun. And you are a very fitting guest because you have a new novella out. And before we get into anything else, what is a novella? What is it? I think of telenovela. And I'm picturing <laughs> Mexican soap opera. <clears throat> yeah, it's not that it's you not did that. not produce a, a Mexican soap opera. You've got. I want to get into everything else that you're doing and what's happening with us. We see and everything else, but but first of all, tell us a little bit about your novella because it'll make sense why you're our Christmas guest. Okay. Well, novella. There's an expression that says a, a story or a book should be just as long as it needs to be, and. A novella, in this instance, it was too big to be a short story, and it was too short to be a novel, and it just needed to be a novella. All right. It's it's kind of in between those two zones. It's Christmas-oriented. It it was fun because it's my first foray into fiction. You know, I've been blogging now for 11 years, and this is the first thing I've released that's fiction. Yeah. It was fun. Different, All right. different so endeavor. Give us a little bit about the, the back. Well, before we get into the backstory of the actual book, I should point out, you know, a lot of, I still immediately go to middle-aged Mormon man. Cause that's where I got to know <laughs> you. And that's where you were for so long. And you dutifully uh, changed when we kind of changed our moniker to thus we see, which is a, frankly, it's a better name. It's a great name. Um, well, you know where but, I got that name. Hmm from mormon oh yeah and thus we see yeah i figured the only way i was going to (laughs) extricate myself from using the word mormon is by taking the advice of the only guy that can be called mormon (laughs) i love it well and how long just remind our guests and they can go back i should have looked up what episode you were you were way back early on in the in the podcast but uh um but people can go back and hear your whole backstory but how long have you been blogging now i just last week was my 11th blog anniversary. I've been blogging for 11 years. 11 years. You are one of the OGs of the, the <laughs> what do they call it? The blogger knackle. I've, I've heard it. Referred to yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of not in that. I've, I've kind of just done my own thing. Yeah. Um, it didn't start out with any intention of any having readership. It was just to keep myself entertained. Yeah. I had, I suddenly had all this time on my hands and cause I got released as Bishop and I still had lots of deep thoughts and wanted to do something with them. So I started the blog and here we are 11 years later. 
So the blog is awesome and it's so enjoyable and just so much fun to read and to follow you. And I feel like I know you better than I do. We catch up every once in a while, but because I, that's the great thing about being a blogger is I get, get kind of an insight into your world, which is really fun. <laughs> uh, but on top of, uh, on top of all that, you're also a mentor for a whole bunch of other writers. I know a lot of, we have a lot of mutual friends, a lot of whom have been on the show who you are a mentor for them, which is just awesome. And now here your foray into fiction. Tell us the story and tell us the name of the book or the novella. The novella is Up on the Housetop. And that will make more sense. It's the story of a young father and husband who just really doesn't like Christmas. Mm. It's ever since he was a kid, he's had issues with it. He plays along, but the older he gets, the more he detests it. And I will say he kind of has legitimate reasons to detest Christmas. But he gets to a point in his life where it's starting to cause some significant conflict with his wife. And he knows that it's not really fair to his family to be the, the Grinch of the house. And um, he finds himself in a precarious situation where he has nothing to do but face his demons. And it's it's not a light book. It's a short book. It's a sweet book. But it also delves into some pretty heavy themes of hmm. of uh, repentance and faith and and those kind of things, because I've been writing religion for 11 years. If I suddenly sprung a serial killer novel on the world, it <laughs> might not be well-received. So I figured yeah. I'd not go straight too far from my wheelhouse. So where where did the inspiration for this book come from? Is this an idea you've had for a long time? Not really. Uh, I've had it for a little while. The idea came from the wonderful Christmas curmudgeon. You know, two, two of my favorite Christmas stories are The Grinch Who Stole Christmas mm. and The Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm. And they both have very much in common. They both hate Christmas. They're both cantankerous. They don't like people. They're just kind of angry at the world. And then they both have a seemingly miraculous change of heart that allows them to start liking people and Christmas again. And as much as I love those books, I noticed that both of them had what I consider to be a little bit of a lacking. And that is neither of them refer to or address Jesus. Oh, interesting. I had never thought they about both, that. Yeah, they both have a come to Christmas moment, but neither of them have a come to Jesus moment. In fact, the Grinch is completely secular, and that's cool. You know, that makes sense because a Dr. Seuss version of Jesus would be a little off putting. Yeah, that wouldn't be right. But, no, it wouldn't it's be right. That's true. That would be, yeah. It's not even on creepy. Earth. I mean, it's Whoville. It'd be it's, creepy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, would, that wouldn't be right. But Dickens, Dickens, while he was Christian, and there's some really wonderful underlying Christian themes mm -hmm. all through the Christmas Carol, Jesus is never mentioned. The nativity, the birth of Christ, any of that is never mentioned in the whole book. There's one really oblique reference by Tiny Tim to Christ healing people. But other than that, some people mistake it for a secular work. I think there's enough religious theme underneath it that you wouldn't call it completely secular. Yeah. But it's definitely not a pro-Jesus story. Mm -hmm. So I took on the task for myself, not actually realizing that I'd ever release it. I wanted to write a Christmas change of heart story that actually involved 
the forces that can change our hearts, being the Savior and the Holy Ghost. Beautiful. And that's where it came from. Brad, that is beautiful. That is so neat. All right, so now we got to tell the listeners how they can get a hold of this awesome novella. Because it sounds like it would make a great gift. I mean, this sounds like a perfect gift. It's a good gift because it's cheap. (laughs) Now, since it's a novella, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, You can get it on Kindle. Mm. It's on Kindle Unlimited, so if you're a member of that, you can get it for free. It's awesome. Or it's $2.99 for that. And then the paperback you can get. There's still time to get the paperback before Christmas if for a stocking stuffer. It's only $5.99. It's not expensive. It's called and there's also, there's also Audible and Apple books that you can hear the audio book, which is my gorgeous voice. That's so awesome. I That's just felt I needed it. to. I needed to have the voice because it's my story, right? Yeah. I'm sure somebody you know, with a British accent would have done better. Yeah. In, in the words of uh, Mike Myers, they would have put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. So there you go. It had to be you. It had to be you. <laughs> um, I think that's really neat. So has this caused you to want to write more fiction? Did that kind of spark a fire or did it put it out? <laughs> no, it. I've always wanted to, but between maintaining a blog and running a business and having a family and life. Fiction writing is a pretty time consuming hobby or profession. And I'm not, I don't have the time where it can be a profession. So it's a hobby. I've got a dozen books fully written in my brain. I just need to sit down and hammer them out. But so this is to test the waters to see how the responses would be and see what it felt like. And it's fun. I did notice one really odd thing I wasn't expecting since I've been blogging about spiritual issues in my life for 10 years, I found that I'm more nervous about how people will react to my fiction than how they react to my soul. Hmm. You know? <laughs> I have a pretty thick skin when it comes to blogging, but I was nervous as heck when the reviews started coming out for the book and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's funny because that at first blush doesn't make sense. Cause you should be more worried about people judging the real you, but I kind of get it because you are who you are. I mean, uh, same thing with the podcast. I put myself out there. People like it. They don't like it, whatever. I, I mean, it is, it's real. It's who I am. But when people don't laugh at my jokes, when I'm doing stand up, it's devastating. Like it's, Has that ever happened? That oh, <laughs> happens. It, it happens in my home every day. Uh, home of course yes no but audience ever fortunately it only happened a lot when i was a new comic i've i've figured it out a little bit but truthfully uh yeah something you create when people judge that negatively it's painful especially when you're as in love with it the amount of work it takes to write a novella like that how long did it take you uh to write it initially yeah a day what but then to revise it and fix it and clean it up and stuff i stumbled through that for a long time because i'd Mm. put it away and then get it back out and stuff i'm a fast writer i yeah like when i write a thousand word blog post i'll just sit down on sunday morning and crank that out in an hour and post it you know that's amazing i'm not a and you you can see that sometimes in the quality of the work and the typos and stuff (laughs) but but with a book i had to be more careful and i'd written an initial draft and had a problem with it and put it aside. And then I had a great idea to make it make more sense. And it's a better book because I waited. 
All right. So what month did you write the book? Like initially, did you write it at Christmas time? I wrote it in Christmas time two years ago and then yeah. put it away until just a couple That's months. Amazing. Ago. All right. So this should be inspiring because I get the feeling that among our listeners, we have listeners who started writing a song they've always wanted to write or a book or a poem or started painting or have an idea for a painting, get it back out. Just do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's true. And and also there's this tendency to keep tinkering at some point. You got to say, you know what? Yeah. I could probably make it better if I spend another month on it, but you just got to put it out. You got to, you got to man up and just put it out there and let the chips fall. It's done. At some point, you got to say it's done. Uh, I was wondering about the month because I was trying to picture how you would get in the Christmas spirit in July in Arizona. I imagine (laughs) that that's when it's 110 degrees outside. It's probably tricky. Yeah, because right now it feels more like Christmas. I mean, I think it got down in the 50s last night. (laughs) What did you get? A foot of snow? Yeah, we've the last two days we've gotten pounded with snow. There is... I got home. We we took two of our older sons out for their, I have two sons who live in, in group homes uh, and we went and picked them up tonight and took them out to dinner for their Christmas dinner and gave them their gifts. And then I got home and my sweet 18 year old was out with the snowblower uh, clearing the driveway. Cause we got hit tonight. And I said, Keaton, that is good. Good job. And he said, That's yeah, awesome. he said, I didn't want to wait till it was frozen in the morning. <laughs> there you go. So he's well, learned some lessons. Key. So that's good. Well, this is just awesome. I'm super excited about the book. And what's the response been so far? You know, it's been good. Um, I uh, they say you're not supposed to read reviews, but I'm not that disciplined. <laughs> and like on Amazon, it's straight five stars. Everybody's liking it. The reviews are real positive. Awesome. And uh, and people have been really sweet about it. You know, the best thing, and you know how this is, you get a little message or an email from somebody saying, "Hey." whatever you just did was wonderful and it touched me. And that's, that's way better than making a buck off a book. That's awesome. Well, you were kind enough to send it over to me and I am taking four days uh, from Christmas till the, till the 29th. I'm taking four days of vacation and I'm going to sit back and do some reading and I cannot wait to read the whole thing and check it all out. So oh, great. it's going to be awesome. So let's talk a little more about just, I wanted to talk Christmas with you because you're a very wise man, not not to not to compare you to the wise men, but you've had great I got life no gold. experiences. <laughs> oh wait, wait, are you saying you have frankincense? <laughs> I could. Well, I'm sure somebody's got oils they could bring by if I needed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They I probably do. They probably, probably. I bet they do. They probably have myrrh. <laughs> probably. What is, what is myrrh? Is myrrh? Is that something we have now? Do you know what myrrh is? I used to I used to know, but it's smelly stuff. Yeah, I I, I those use, kind of uh, things were important back then. Well, now what's important to me at my age, DoTerra makes a product called Deep Blue that I pretty much burn through a tube a month. It's really like an incredibly powerful, wonderful Bengay is what it is. It's <laughs> there you go. And so I rub that into the muscles, and it's awesome. So, all right, we got way off topic, but you are a wise man uh, is what I was getting at. That's what we were talking about. Um, But uh, this year is a little bit different for you for Christmas. Tell us kind of where you are in your life and what's going on. We are 
fully into empty nest and grandparent mode. After raising five kids and having kids at home for Christmas for 30 years or more, 35 years, suddenly Christmas morning, there's nobody waking us up at six to open presents. <laughs> uh, it's kind of strange. You know, the grandkids come over and play and it's great and all of that, but it, it's been interesting because we've had way more uh, downtime, quiet time. We were way more organized and had most everything done before Thanksgiving. So it's been kind of chill. It's been nice, real peaceful. When you look back at the crazy years of, I, I don't know about you, but I went on probably a 15 or 20 year streak of not getting to bed Christmas Eve before about three in the morning. By the time you're putting all everything into packages and assembling bikes and whatever, and did we remember this? And I wonder if 7-Eleven carries the batteries that I need or whatever. You know, when you look back at that time, versus right now what do you miss about then and then what are you grateful that you don't you don't miss from those times i don't miss at two in the morning with frozen fingers trying to put the last find the last missing bolt for the basketball hoop (laughs) you know (laughs) those those days I, i don't miss that kind of stuff but there is a wonderful magic about having your kids line up and file into the family room to see what Santa brought to open presents and um, juxtaposed with that, the joy of a young parent, a young father watching their kids enjoy the magic of Christmas is also the pressure and the burden that comes on a dad of providing that Christmas and trying to, to do it well. Yeah. And that's part of the, in, in my novella, the guy has a little bit of a problem because Christmas can be burdensome. If you're not enjoying it, it can become a real negative thing. And so for me with younger days, with younger kids, it was about trying to make it as wonderful as I could for them. Uh, It wasn't until I got older and, uh, as you said, wiser, I'm starting to realize that this is a much more um, wonderful time of year to find peace and to to make... uh, solidify relationships and and do other things other than just worry about assembling toys and finding batteries at three in the morning. It's a different time. Yeah. I, I will. So we're, we're very close to where you are. Our youngest is 18 now and uh, his gift this year, he's his big gift. He's known about it's a ski pass. So we gave it to him early. And uh, so, I mean, there's no, we were actually just talking about it before we recorded that we're not getting up early. It's just him. <laughs> right. There's no and reason. Let me just tell you, there's not an 18 year old boy in the country that wants to get up early <laughs> when he doesn't have to. And yeah, it's really different for us this year as well. So it's, it's really, I I'm with you that I will not miss the, I remember just times, you know, with, you know, seven, eight kids, you know, two years ago, we had all eight kids here. Three years ago, we had all eight of our kids here. And it was, I mean, even though a lot were older, I mean, my daughter was 27, but she came and spent the night, you know, still chaos. It it was just chaos. And it was just, you know, and again, two in the morning, you're just exhausted. I, I think though, I do candy coat those times a little bit because the looks on the kids' faces 
it was nice. Were you able to make kind of a clean break with your kids? Because I got some of my kids who are like hitting me up right now going, hey, we're still coming over Christmas morning early, right? <laughs> Even though yeah. they don't live here, they're still doing that. Did you get a clean break? Well, we have one single son yet who's up at up at the at Utah State and he's coming home for Christmas. And so he'll be here. I know he won't get up at 6 a.m. in a million years. But yeah. uh, so we're not completely alone. But then again, the you know, if I wake up at six in the morning, like I always do, I'm not going to jump up and go turn on the Christmas tree and put on the Christmas music because nobody cares. Yeah. They'll actually so probably yell at you. They will care. They'll say, what are you doing? That's true. <laughs> Dad, go back to bed. Yeah. yeah. Did you have a family tradition that was very McBride, that was very centric to your family? You know, I don't know how other families do things. I know that we had the same Christmas Eve celebration every year and Christmas morning. And I don't know how you did it when you were little, but dad and mom would wake up and dad would start the fire, turn on the Christmas tree and put on some music. And we kids would all be huddled in one of the bedrooms waiting. And and he'd come down the hall and say, it looks like, you know, it looks like somebody's been here. It looks like you guys were awfully nice this year and all this stuff. And then, <laughs> and then uh, we, the kids would march down the hall into the family room and let the magic begin. You know, they got, as we, as the kids got older, then suddenly we could videotape them. We've got, you know, 20 years of videotape of kids walking into the family room and checking out their presents. And there's something magical about that. There's that, there's a feeling on Christmas morning that feels like no other time. And, and it is kind of sad to have it gone. You can recoup a little bit of it with grandkids though. Mm -hmm. but, but not all of it. And so we long for that a little bit, but not yeah. enough to ever want to revisit it. I don't have any grandkids and nor do I want them yet. None of my kids are ready to have kids. So <laughs> I am fully okay with that. Do you have for yourself and you and I talked before we started recording about how not young we are now, but uh, do you have a gift, a Christmas present, like a physical Christmas present that really stands out in your memory from when you were young? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, well, I could just say I'm old enough that I don't remember all those things anymore. But yeah. no, there, uh, I remember one year getting a, a legit Hot Wheels set, mm. not just the straight track and not just a couple of cars, but curves and loops and the whole deal. And I was into Hot Wheels. And that was a one that stood out. Like I was trying to go down the hall and set up the track before we were even done opening presents. And I was getting yelled at. <laughs> but I remember that as a, as a standout. Yeah, that's an awesome one. I remember one year I was dying for an erector set. You remember those? Oh, yeah, those were awesome. Yeah, where you could take all the pieces and you could build stuff and you could make them move. And that was uh, that was probably the one that stands out the most. The other one, probably 1980 two or so uh 82 or 83 i i wanted a mongoose bike mongoose oh, was go. the coolest brand bmx a bmx bike yeah that was my first real bmx bike and man when i opened it i could not believe that i got it yeah it's it's pretty cool well so, erector sets were awesome i hadn't thought about an erector set in a long time <laughs> yeah and, and they they follow the same pattern which i find really fascinating with director sets, Lego, Hot Wheels, 
Lincoln logs. Yeah. All of those things, you just got the stuff. Mm-hmm. You didn't get a Lego kit that was going to buy an Imperial, build an Imperial cruiser. You just got a bunch of blocks, yeah. tinker toys, and you had to make stuff up. Yeah. Now, if you want to buy Legos, it's a prefab with instructions on how to make a specific thing. And I think I preferred the creative element of just having a box of director set pieces and a bunch of tiny, tiny screws and bolts and just go at it. Yeah. We ended up, we ended up with, uh, we have a son who um, loves Legos, just loves Legos. And uh, every year we would get him tons of Legos. And even when we would buy him the kit, you know, he would build whatever it was from the kit, but then it would end up in the Lego box. <laughs> and so the kit only got built once ever. One. <laughs> because then it just became part of it. And he, um, you know, this he is such a sweet kid. He's 26 now. But he, uh, when it was time to do his Eagle project, we found out that Primary Children's Hospital loves Legos. And so, you know, he was almost 18. It was kind of time he wanted, he was ready to kind of move on from the big thing of Legos. So we actually cleaned all of his Legos, but then we did a Lego drive and built little kits for kids at Primary Children's Hospital. And it was kind of a neat bookend. To all the years, yeah. I don't think he ever had a Christmas that he did not get a Lego set. And so it's kind of sweet for him to then be able to break them up and pass them along to uh, the kids at Primary Children's. So that was really neat. That is cool. That's very cool. All right. So in your infinite wisdom, uh, Brad, as I really do, you're you're the the man of wisdom. Oh, it's um, finite. It's how finite. Do we... <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> it's at least vast. We'll agree <laughs> that it's at least vast. All right, or so fabricated. With all... <laughs> so here we are. It's Christmas time. Uh, there's lots of stuff to do. We probably we have a lot of young parents who listen to this show. Uh, there's so much going on. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, online stuff happening, inflation. People are worried. Whatever. And then it's Christmas, which should be Christ centric. What's a good What's a good way? for people to really put Christ in like, is there, is there a really good way that you know of for people to really be able to take those moments to focus on Christ at Christmas? Well, let me throw you a, a curveball, Please. <clears throat> when we take the sacrament every Sunday, how often are we supposed to remember the savior? Hmm. That, we, that we do always remember him, right? Yeah, always. So what's what's the baseline for focusing on the Savior then? Always. Mm. So if we're doing it all in December, what are we doing the 11 months of the year that we're not? Mm. Brad, that's really deep. <laughs> well, no, it really I, is. I, I put a lot of thought of that. Christmas no, time right. provides us an opportunity to do the stuff that we're supposed to be doing all the time, like being charitable. You know, there's giving machines up now. There's not in June. Hmm. There's charitable work and secret Santas and people buying things for underprivileged people. That that's Those needs are still there in March or in August. We're yeah. supposed to be thinking about the Savior all the time. 
you know? Why is yeah. it all crammed into December? So first thing I would say is, you know what? We're supposed to live it all the time. So maybe we shouldn't beat ourselves up if we're not feeling it all the time in December. <laughs> uh, the other thought is that, um, well, and this is this is more uh, less of a curveball. We have amazing opportunities in the month of December to feel the spirit, whether it's first presidency broadcasts or it's wonderful music or it's stories or it's family together time or it's TV shows. There are so many opportunities to feel the Holy Ghost at Christmas time because they are just everywhere. And so one thing I think we can really take advantage of in this, during the holiday season is trying to grab as many of those moments as we can. Mm. Because the more exposure we can have to the Holy Ghost, the more softened our hearts are going to be, the more charitable we're going to feel, the closer to God and to each other we're going to feel. And maybe some of that can carry on past January 1st. Gosh, Brad, that is just beautiful. See, that's what I needed to hear tonight. I think this is what this is why I wanted to have you on the show. It's very personal that I needed to hear this stuff uh, because I have not been able to get myself. And maybe it's maybe, maybe I just really I'll look forward to reading the novella because yeah, I've been stressed with work and there's a lot just going on with family right now. And I'm suddenly looking at my watch going, it's almost Christmas. But yeah, I'm suddenly trying to shift gears into remembering him. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right that, yeah, I take the sacrament. I promise to always remember him. And uh, But you're right. There are so many opportunities. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just finding moments. Maybe it's not about trying to, you know, okay, now I'm going to focus on the Savior and just right. finding those moments. It's not I a like checklist that. item. And, and honestly, you know, if you're driving down the street and Santa Baby comes on the radio, you can always change the channel and maybe put on something a little more uh, Christ-centric. Do you, do you have a favorite hymn, Brad? A favorite hymn? Or like Christmas Carol, Carol or hymn? Uh, you, know, you know what I love? You know mm-hmm. the song, Yesu, Joy of Man's Desire? Oh, yeah, sure. I have, a, I have a playlist with like 14 different versions of it. Really? From from symphonies to Amy Grant to reggae to I just something about that song just speaks to my heart. And there's not even words. It's yeah. just something about that music touches me and it to me it just screams Christmas. Christ part of Christmas. Yeah. Know? Absolutely beautiful. I uh I I cry every year. The first time I hear Little Drummer Boy at Christmas time, there's something about then he looked at me. And there's the the part that always makes me cry, and now I'm going to cry talking about it, is picturing this little boy saying, I played my best for him. And I don't know why that's so touching to me that that's what the Savior expects. And it doesn't say I played amazingly for him. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't play, or I played perfectly for him. It just says, I played my best for him. And that then he smiled at me. And I just, I think that, you know, that song captures something of something deep, something really deep. <clears throat> All yeah. he wants is for us to figure out what our talent is 
And I actually saw, I wonder if it was a comic strip or something. I saw something. It was very funny. Where and and it kind of almost ruined the song for me, but it, I did find it funny. <laughs> oh. Where it just said, you know, you're picturing Mary going, "Oh, I finally got this beautiful baby to sleep." Oh, there's someone at the door. Hey, I'm here to play a drum solo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to focus on that and ruin the wonderful yeah. message that you just. But had. but regardless, I just think there's something very deep about, you know that was his gift was he was the drummer boy. He wasn't a trumpet boy and he wasn't a painter boy and he wasn't, you know, whatever boy, his particular gift was drums. And so when he saw Christ and recognized who Christ was, he played his drums and he played his best. And then Jesus smiled at him and you just go, yeah, that's kind of how it is, right? We have the gifts we have. It's tempting to want to say, well, that's a better gift or that my gift doesn't live up. And it's tempting to want to say, I don't use my gift perfectly. But what the song says is, I played my best for him, and then he smiled at me. And to me, that's Christmas, you know? Do your best, and that's Christ life. smiles. That's right? salvation, right? That's everything, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of yeah. how it is. So I just It's true. It. And in life, we're supposed to do the best we can and yeah. give it our best, and the rest will be caught up in Christ. And so yeah. it's a great metaphor. Well, I love it. Well, Brad, this was awesome catching up. Thank you so much for taking the time, my friend. And I'll look forward to when we can get together in person again. I hope you have a an amazing Christmas with all those grandkids now. And it's a neat time to be alive. It's pretty darn good. It is. And you enjoy your snow and your four days off. <laughs> and hopefully you can find a little bit of that heartwarming Christmas spirit in between now and then. I've, I think I found it. I think I've, I'm going to call this conversation my kickoff to Christmas. So wow. anyway, I love it. Yeah. To all that of our could be listeners, the, that could be the title of the podcast, the kickoff to Christmas. Sean's, Sean's <laughs> kickoff to Christmas. Yes. And, and that day, my, my heart grew a hundred times or whatever, whatever <laughs> it is that the Grinch did. Yeah. See, you're good. You, you, you're so good at this. You brought it full circle, right? We're yeah, all the way right. back to the Grinch now. Right back to it. So, well, we just want to say to all of our listeners, we hope you have just the most wonderful Christmas. It really is the best time of year. Thank you so much to all of you. Um, We're not doing an intro or an outro this week. So just as a reminder, we are off for the next three weeks, just enjoying things, reading Brad's novella. I will be reading it during my Christmas break, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Go check it out at all the places that Brad told you. And Merry Christmas to you all. And Brad, a very Merry Christmas to you, my friend. And Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much for having me on.